Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah, a registered associate nutritionist and your favourite crazy bean. Full of Beans is on a mission to reduce eating disorder stigma and increase eating disorder awareness. Together, we will establish inspiring conversations with a range of individuals, including those with personal experience and their loved ones, as well as clinicians, researchers and charities who are all working to increase the understanding of eating disorders. Using my personal battle with atypical anorexia and body dysmorphia, as well as my Masters in Eating Disorders and Clinical Nutrition, we will together explore the experiences of like-minded individuals who are equally as passionate about sharing their stories to increase the understanding of eating disorders. Please note that this podcast discusses sensitive topics and should not be seen as a replacement for evidence-based therapy or treatment. Today I'm joined by Andrea Claris, a registered associate nutritionist who studied her undergraduate degree in nutrition at Nottingham University and went on to specialise in eating disorders and disordered eating by studying with me at UCL eating disorders and clinical nutrition. Andrea has a particular interest in helping you to heal your relationship with food, body and mind. Andrea is currently working as the clinic coordinator for TC Nutrition and is also training as intuitive eating counsellor. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Hannah. I'm so happy to be here speaking to you today. Yeah, I'm so excited. I feel like we've not spoken for so long. Yeah, honestly, this COVID situation made everything (laughs) so complicated. Yeah, it took us from like seeing each other twice a week in lectures to then never again. Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) so Um, sad (laughs) yeah but thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast I'm really interested like I think intuitive eating is it's such a big topic at the moment and I'm really interested to hear about all the information that you found out and the work that you're doing so Mm -hmm. the first question that I wanted to ask you was I guess where your interest for going you know specializing in intuitive eating came from so um basically to give you a bit of a um um throwback to when I started um, nutrition and everything. Um, So I came to the UK five years ago now and I started my bachelor's in nutrition and uh, then I went into my master's. So whilst I was doing my bachelor's, I kind of developed a very disordered relationship with food um, midway to the end of my degree. I started becoming so obsessed about calories and eating very healthy and um, not eating any sugar. Um, so it was a very like restricted relationship with food. And I was weighing myself every single day. Um, I, I started noticing that I was... Um, saying no to many socials events I wasn't meeting my friends as much and I would feel very bad if I I would miss a workout Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't until one day one of my housemates actually said like I need to talk to you we are a bit worried and she told me that she was they were all uh, noticing that I was uh, a bit obsessive in the way I was eating and how I was approaching uh, food and so um, that, at that moment, it took me like um, 
it took me a while to to realize but I was like okay it's not just me it's other people that are realizing the way that mm. I am eating and how uh, obsessive and controlling I am and I took a step back and I was like okay I need to be more relaxed about this I started uh, reading about um relationships with food I started to um realized how much of my mental health was being affected by the way I was eating and it wasn't just um, my physical health which was affected as well but my my mental health so uh, from there I started um, um, reading a bit more about body positivity uh, intuitive eating the first book that I read was the one from Laura Thomas mm -hmm. the um, just eat it mm -hmm. and Very it was then book. when I started reading more about intuitive eating and um, how important it is to listen to our bodies and not just rely on external uh, messages or calorie tracking apps uh, I was a big fan of my fitness pal and it was the worst uh, that I could have done. Um, so yeah, uh, from there I started reading more in, in this field and I um, came across um, eating disorders and how much of our diet or diet, diet culture um, impacts on our um the way that we see food and our relationship with food and how eating disorders develop from diet culture. Not all of them, of course, that uh, eating disorders can develop from a multitude of uh, factors, but internalized, uh, internalizing the thin ideal or, 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 or dieting um, mentality can really impact on, um, yeah, on um, our relationship with food. So um, I then came across the Eating Disorder Masters in my third year of uni at UCL and I was so shocked because I, hadn't, I wouldn't have thought that there was such a, a specific masters mm -hmm. on eating disorders and clinical nutrition and I was like, I think this is for me and then I went ahead with it and it was such a great masters um, and I learned so much from it. Um, and yeah, I am um, right now. I am training to become an intuitive eating counselor. I've done pretty much the whole training, Fantastic. and I think it's the best idea that I could have made to do this um, course because it's not only about uh, theory and intuitive eating. It also gives you loads of like um, hands-on tools, like to use with your clients and to. Um, worksheets to help clients improve their relationship with food and so on so yeah that's how <laughs> um, yeah no that sounds fantastic I think I think it's so nice that you've shared your personal journey there and I think often having that experience with food with your body with exercise and stuff it means that you can then empathize with your clients which I think that's a that's a really special thing to have to know you know you're not saying I know exactly how you feel but I can kind of understand why this is such a big thing to you mm -hmm. and I've got so many questions to ask you about intuitive eating but sure. I guess like the one that is sticking out to me the most first um you know I want to talk to you about the 10 principles um mm. in a bit but the thing that I've always thought and you kind of picked up on you know calorie trackers like my fitness mm. pal and I think you know I think it's a rarity nowadays if you haven't 
kind of put yourself on one of those and thought oh I have to follow this now what is the difference why is intuitive eating not just another set of rules and another diet that because I think it isn't but I think we're becoming a bit more kind of intuitive eating maybe is becoming this thing where you eat when you're hungry you don't eat when you're full sort of thing that I think it could very easily become something that is more rules but it's obviously not yeah that's a really good question because I have actually seen um a lot of um people saying as you were saying intuitive eating if I I I am failing at intuitive eating if I'm eating when I am not hungry Mm -hmm. or if I eat past the point of comfortable fullness and this is not what intuitive eating is about because intuitive eating also states or also aims to um, eat outside of physical hunger so we might be uh, eating for practical reasons so we might be we might not be hungry uh, but we know that we have a meeting running for three or four hours or we might be traveling and we eat beforehand as a way of self-care in order to not get too hungry by the time that we have a chance after a meeting or after uh, traveling or we might also eat for pleasure and for for enjoyment not just for um because we feel physically hungry we must just want to um, eat chocolate not because we're hungry because we love chocolate and we just want a piece of chocolate and we want to enjoy it and we always say to eat with attunement so paying attention to the essential qualities of the foods that we are eating eating without distractions uh in order to tune in to um the the food that we're eating and how that food is feeling in our body and how uh, we feel when we eat and all of these things. So it's really an, um, all about inner awareness and attunement. Um, so yeah, no, anyone that says um, intuitive eating is another diet or is the fullness, hunger and fullness diet, please don't don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, I really like what you said there about you said eating for self-care I think Mm. often we can think oh you know we're just eating because our body needs energy um and I think as soon as you're in that sort of mindset it takes like you said the pleasure out of food you know sometimes you're going to go out for dinner with your friends and you're not going to be super duper hungry but you're not there for the food you're there for the relationships that you're building and the memories that you're going to have I think we have to move away from this idea that food is just so we can like get through the day it's it's there's Mm. so many more things about food that are so important yeah exactly food is not just fuel it's connection it's memories it's um pleasure Mm -hmm. um is celebration like when we go to a um a birthday party and we are there and we might not be hungry but we are sharing the piece of chocolate cake with our friends and we are not feeling guilty for it it's just we eat for yeah for an emotional reason in that case yeah absolutely so I want to get onto these 10 principles of intuitive eating because I feel like they're the nitty gritty core of it. So (laughs) if, are you happy to like run through them and maybe, maybe as we go along, we can sort of stop and chat about them. Um, So it's not just a bit of a list, but yeah, I'm really excited to hear, to hear what you have to say about these. Yeah. So um, intuitive eating um, 
is composed of 10 principles. And just to um, say that Intuitivity was um, funded by Ellis, Resch and Evelyn Trivoli in 1995 when they published, published their first book. And since then, there's been loads of studies about intuitive eating and loads of benefits from it. So these principles work by improving our ability to listen to our bodies, basically. And this is called interoceptive awareness. So it's our ability to listen to the physical messages that our body sends us and to respond accordingly to these messages. So the first principle is rejecting the diet mentality. And bear in mind, I will go through the principles in order, but it doesn't mean that you need to go in order when you're doing intuitive eating. Just go with the ones that most um, that are most relevant to you, and well, to you, to to anyone that wants to start with intuitive eating. So the first one is rejecting the diet mentality, and it's actually one that's really good to start with. And this, in this principle, we basically explore how diets have uh, impacted our lives, how diets have served us, the pros and cons of dieting. And we start by, first of all, putting weight loss in the back burner because intuitive eating isn't about weight loss. And anyone that sells intuitive eating as a weight loss <laughs> the, um, approach, please red flag because it's not <laughs> what <laughs> what we want. Um, so the, this is about uh, ditching all the dieting tools, calorie uh, tracking apps, dieting books, um, dieting plans, uh, following. Um, the what I eat in a day is that many influencers post and many people are like, okay, I'm going to eat like this person to be the same as this person, uh, this, to see, to be the same weight or size mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Um, so all the external, t- the, the tools that focus on, yeah, that focus on following external uh, messages, like the ones I've just mentioned, to ditch them as equally uh, to ditch the scale and any anything that relies on numbers and also another thing I encourage many of my clients to do during this uh, process is to um, stop uh, following uh, people that also encourage weight loss and promote um, diet uh, dieting and all of these things and start following people that are body positive uh, people that talk about food in neutral terms, not uh, not talking about foods as good or bad, mm-hmm. uh, healthy or unhealthy, um, and so on. So yeah, that would be principle one. Okay, so I have a question, and this might be uh, a bit of me playing devil's advocate, but I want to ask you anyway. So I yeah, think sure. the first, like, it is such a strong principle and so important. My question would be, so from kind of what you described to me, it's kind of like shut out diet culture, which mm-hmm. in an ideal world is brilliant, but I, it's difficult in normal life. You know, it's very easy, I think, on social media to close out people that are kind of contributing to diet culture because you can unfollow them. How would you advise somebody when they're in day-to-day life, maybe they're in a conversation and someone brings up a diet and it could be at work or with their friends, how would you advise them to navigate that sort of conversation? 
So this is this would be all about setting boundaries, and this is also a form of self care. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this as well in intuitive eating, uh, the importance of boundaries. So if we are in a conversation or with family, and someone and you're in your intuitive eating journey, and someone starts bringing up a dieting topic or starts talking about weight or something triggering to you, it's worth just speaking up and saying, look, I am trying to heal my relationship with food um, and I would appreciate if we could shift the the conversation or talk about something else um, rather than being or even just... um, going away from from the from the table wherever you you are I would say my recommendation would be to speak up and say um yeah and just let them know that this is triggering and if they are people that really care for you they will listen to you and shift the conversation and yeah move away from uh, speaking in yeah dieting terms or things like that yeah and I completely agree I think it's a very brave thing to do but if you imagine if you can do it then it might highlight to that person that that sort of conversation is not helpful and then they might not then have that conversation again so you might be helping other people as well as yourself in that situation yeah totally agree yeah (laughs) okay number two (laughs) um yeah so principle two is honor your hunger um and this i guess we've talked a little bit about before when we were saying how intuitive eating is not an um eat when you're hungry stop when you're full kind of uh, rule um so yeah this is about eating when you're feeling hungry instead of delaying or neglecting these signals because diet culture has kind of like made us believe that feeling hungry is something is something wrong like Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with us if we're feeling hungry and we need to wait uh, as much as we can in order to eat and this is completely not the um, not going to help anyone because if we eat when we are past that feeling of comfortable uh, hunger we might eat uh, in a very chaotic manner we might eat more than uh, we feel comfortable with uh, we might be distracted while we eat. So honoring your hunger uh, during this process, we learn how to listen to our bodies and tune into these hunger messages that our bodies send us. Not just by um, and hunger cannot be just uh, gargling in our stomach. It can be um, noticing our head. We might start losing focus. We might um, had mood swings. We might be start to be a bit irritable. Um, we might be starting to salivate more. So all of these is um, body cues we need to be um, aware of. Uh, and when we notice them, just make sure that we eat instead of delay this uh, this signal. So this is um, this would be um, honoring your hunger. Mm-hmm. So I've got another question. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so if. So, so if someone's had an eating disorder 
often one thing that can be sort of affected is their hunger and fullness um you know Mm -hmm. with someone maybe that's had anorexia they might not feel that hunger because it's just been so out of whack for so long Mm -hmm. um whereas you know somebody with binge eating disorder maybe their hunger's off and also their fullness that binge eating disorder you're often pushing yourself into that uncomfortable fullness so if you were to work with somebody that had an eating disorder would there be sort of specific things you do in order for them to sort of understand those um that hunger and fullness because I think sometimes fullness can be I'm speaking from personal experience here but that was quite a triggering thing for me um in recovery was feeling that fullness so how would you navigate that so when people um have an eating disorder it, it works we don't start with intuitive eating just straight from the start mm-hmm. we uh, start um, the process of nutritional rehabilitation and weight restoration and um, this is at we start this by establishing a regular pattern of eating in order to um, to fix that broken, hunger and fullness meter I'd say Um, and this is a temporary meal plan just to make sure that um, they are nourishing their bodies regularly and there is um, they eat their meals uh, three meals every day two three snacks a day and they are non-negotiable so they they just need to eat for nourishment um, as a form of self-care because they might not be hungry especially people with anorexia that have been restricting for for a long time they might be uh, they might not be hungry and they might need to eat uh, just for self care rather than for hunger reasons mm-hmm. so um yeah the first step i would say is nutritional rehabilitation and then once they are uh, this pattern of eating regular pattern of eating is established then we can start um to the process of listening to our hunger and fullness so we start always by listening to our hunger and then we then we go to fullness mm-hmm. because if you don't eat when you're hungry or when you start to feel a bit hungry um chances are that you're not going to be able to notice when you are comfortably full mm-hmm. because if we wait for too long we might eat past the point of comfortable fullness and we might not be able to tune into those signals as well. Okay, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm glad you highlighted all of that. I think that's a very good thing for people to recognise that you have to get to that point where you're eating, you know, that enough before you can start to do the intuitive eating. Yeah, definitely, because that process also helps to our body to start uh, functioning properly, all our body functions, mm-hmm. uh, our digestion, everything yeah. um, to be an, at an optimal uh, functioning level. Yeah, absolutely. So principle three is making peace with food. And this is one of my favorite principles. And um, what we trying to do um, during this process of making peace with peace with food is to give give us give ourselves unconditional permission to eat foods that perhaps we had been restricting before or we have um, in a ba- in a blacklist or we fear so we start challenging all of those fears and all of those uh, foods that we they we we so um we are so fearful from uh, <clears throat> so this this principle is about um 
exposing ourselves and experiencing eating those foods because when we have been so deprived of um, whatever it might be that we we don't allow ourselves to eat, that causes instant that causes intense thoughts and cravings for those foods. And chances are that when we give when we give into our cravings, we're gonna eat past our um, the point of comfortable fullness. We might not eat. Uh, by paying attention to what we're eating, we might not feel any pleasure from the eating experience because we just eat um, at, in a very like uncontrolled manner. So um, this principle is about um, helping diminish these cravings and urges to binge. And um, it's about, yeah, exposure and habituation to the to the fear foods and to the so-called bad foods mm -hmm. or unhealthy foods and uh, also eliminating these labels that we put in foods because when we say there is only good or bad foods we are also um, attaching a moral value to those foods and we therefore start forbidding those foods and um, uh, that's what causing the deprivation effect that I was telling mm -hmm. before so cravings, binging, then feeling guilty and uh, ashamed from eating more. Um, and then back to restriction. To, pro to For us to break that cycle, we need to expose ourselves to those foods. Mm -hmm. And this is um, what making peace with food is all about. Yeah, I find it really interesting because I, I think I've like instinctively done this without actually realizing that I wa was doing it because I used to crave ice cream all the time but I mm -hmm. I would like want more but wouldn't let myself and so I got to a point where I was like I'm just gonna have how much I want and now I can just have like a scoop and I'm happy is that what you're yeah. kind of saying that sort of thing yeah exactly at the beginning of this process when we start giving ourselves unconditional permission to eat those foods that we were uh restricting it might be a bit chaotic because mm -hmm. we've been so deprived from it but but once we start uh, getting used to eating those foods they lose that um that appeal that one they once had and as you say you might eat one scoop or you might eat a piece of brownie and feel totally uh satisfied and stop because that's how much you needed mm -hmm. rather than when it's restricted because when we, us as humans, we're driven by uh, the things that we tell ourselves that we cannot have. So the more that we tell ourselves, I cannot have X food, the more we're going to crave those foods. That, so that's what we are trying to um, to break, mm -hmm. essentially. And is it a kind of a case of you just have to keep doing it until it becomes comfortable? It's not like a you have it once and then you're going to be happy. Yeah, you have to expose yourself uh, regularly to mm -hmm. those foods. You cannot just do it once. You don't have to go through all the list of fear foods, but you need to practice because uh, intuitive eating is about practice and patience with yourself. It's not a one uh, a quick fix. Mm -hmm. It's about practicing and exposing ourselves constantly to these fear foods um, until they lose that um yeah that appeal that mm -hmm. once they had yeah okay fantastic thank you mm -hmm. 
So moving on to principle four, challenge the food police, I guess <laughs> it's quite tied to the to principle three. And I, I always like to work with both of them at the same time because the food police is that constant voice in your head telling you you shouldn't be eating this, you should be eating that, don't eat this, don't eat that. So all those rules that we make up in our heads um, telling us what, or what to eat or what not to eat, when to eat, when not to eat, and all that, we need to start challenging those uh, voices. So what we do here is a lot of reframing. So when we perhaps, let me say, uh, put an example, a uh, very common example, like saying carbs are bad, um, they are going to make me gain weight, therefore I need to cut, or I cut off uh, carbs completely. What we do is reframe those unhelpful uh, beliefs and also we look into why Why do I believe that carbs are bad? Why, what is the evidence to show that carbs are bad or that carbs are going to make me gain weight? Because we know that not, not a single food will make you gain weight. Um, so we, uh, instead of that, we reframe by using more positive and logical um statements so say um carbohydrates are the main source of energy for our bodies for our brain our brain needs uh, carbohydrates to thrive i need carbohydrates to to perform um either at um academically or in the in the gym whatever it might be and um eating carbohydrates doesn't make me good or doesn't make me a good or bad person. Carbohydrates are just another nutrient and it's essential for the good functioning of our bodies. And there are a good source of fiber which contributes to the good functioning of our, of our gut and so on. So yeah, that would be challenging the food police, so challenging those like negative voices in our head that telling us what to eat and what not to eat. Mm-hmm. And is it a case of going through every sort of rule or myth that you have in your mind? Is that kind of, I imagine that'd be quite tiring, but equally very important to do to make sure that it's you have the evidence in your mind. And I think that's something that we're both very keen on in terms of like, you know, giving information out to the public and whatever yeah. is making sure it's evidence-based. Do you find that a lot of people like to have the science behind that rather than maybe the misconceptions yes i find that many of my clients love hearing about the facts and evidence-based and sometimes it doesn't need to be super scientifically how we reframe sometimes it can just be if i eat the cookie or the brownie i won't have cravings for it later on rather than restricting it which will and um yeah enhance my thoughts about those foods um and it might lead to craving and binging later on rather than eating um a normal amount the the amount that i have when i want mm-hmm. yeah so um it is about making sure that there is no lingering food rules um in our heads and that we are moving away from what can I eat, what should I eat, and rather we are listening to our bodies to tell us what we want and what we need to eat. Mm -hmm. I suppose as well, like this just popped into my head, it just 
when you were saying about, you know, I won't have the brownie now, but then later on I might have more than I was going to initially have and stuff. It's just that brain space, that time it gives you rather than for the next six hours thinking about this brownie that you might eat, you might not eat. What's it going to taste like if you do eat it? What's the effect going to be? You can just go and live your life. Exactly. It's so much better. And not feel guilty about it because sometimes I tell my clients, you haven't uh, stole the brownie or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. I'm putting brownie, but it can be ice cream, <laughs> uh, biscuits, chocolate, whatever. Um, you haven't stole that or you haven't killed anyone to get that food. Like you shouldn't be feeling guilty. Eat Eating is um, a basic human need. Same as it is to drink water, to sleep. Um, so it doesn't we don't need to feel guilty for eating anything no that's a very good point I think as soon as you can get guilt away from your mind with food then you're on to a winner yeah definitely Mm. so moving on to principle five if is feeling your fullness so again Mm -hmm. we've talked about this one um it is about learning to tune into our fullness signals and knowing when we're feeling uh, comfortably full and satisfied uh, to stop eating. So here we learn different strategies to know when uh, when to stop eating when we're full. Um, and one of the the most important ones that I always uh, share with my clients is to eat without distraction mm-hmm. distractions. So in this world that we live in, uh, with social media, our laptops all the time, our smartphones, we are t- we tend to be quite distracted while we eat. We might be watching a TV show. We might be engaging in other activities like replying to emails while we're eating. And that um, disconnects us from our experience of um, our eating experience and from our ability to listen to to when our body is satisfied and and full to stop eating so always aiming to yeah to eat without distractions um to take a pause halfway through through your meal to check in with yourself to ask your, yourself uh, how hungry am i feeling right now and if you are still feeling hungry keep eating if you think that you just have a few more bites then take a few more bites and don't feel like you need to finish up your plate because in my, from personal experience, I grew up in a house where we were told that you must finish your plate um, before, yeah, you need to finish your plate. Otherwise you're wasting food. And that's not the case. You can always uh, store that uh, food in a food container and eat it later on. Mm So, yeah, this is about tuning into fullness and um, making sure that you're mindful while you're eating. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, again, like we said before about hunger, I think fullness, like I said before, can be quite a, a difficult sensation during eating disorder recovery to feel. And I know personally still now I mm-hmm. struggle a little bit with feeling full so is in in intuitive eating is feeling that fullness is that something that's tried to be avoided or is there coping mechanisms to kind of sit with that fullness 
Yes, so feeling full in terms of when you're um, when you have an eating disorder and are starting with a treatment for that eating disorder, it's of course very difficult to tune into these signals, mm-hmm. and that's why feel uh, feeling your fullness comes a bit later on. Um, so as I was saying at the beginning, the most important thing uh, when recovering from an eating disorder is to uh, nutritional rehabilitation, reestablishing that regular pattern of eating, um, eating as a well of uh, self-care and nourishment. Um, and it is um, normal that when you're recovering from an eating disorder, you might feel bloated, you might feel a bit of um, gastrointestinal uh, discomfort when you eat, but that is that's uncomfortable but that will diminish mm-hmm. um, with time. So you just have to give yourself t- some time until your body is fully restored in terms of weight and in terms of body, bodily functions. And then we can start um, working on tuning into your f- hunger and fullness. But first of all, it's always um, establishing that pattern of regular eating as a way of self-care. It might be not, you might not feel hungry, but you need to eat. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad that you said that about initially, like you will feel uncomfortable when you're eating at the end of the day. And, you know, this is predominantly anorexia, but you're definitely going to be eating more than what you were when you weren't Mm -hmm. in recovery. So there is going to be that discomfort. And I think, like you said, it's about, it's about getting through that. And then Mm -hmm. once you've got through that discomfort and when you're eating, you know, the amount that your body needs then you can start focusing on the intuitive eating kind of thing so I just really wanted to highlight that for everybody that that's very important to to get past that stage before you then start thinking about oh I'm I'm really full so maybe I'm going to stop because with eating disorder recovery you need to be eating what your body needs at that time yeah definitely um yeah it's prioritizing um nourishment um and that that temporary meal plan Mm -hmm. and then moving on when you are ready and your body is ready to move on to listening to your body and when those signals are restored those when we can rely on your hunger and and fullness Mm -hmm. yeah fantastic (laughs) so principle seven is Ah, sorry, six. <laughs> Discover the satisfaction factor. So this is a, a pleasure-based um, principle and is central to intuitive eating. And I want to highlight that there is a huge difference. Uh, well, they aren't related full, between fullness and uh, between feeling full and feeling satisfied because you might feel full, but you, you can't feel full and not be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And so fullness is the physical sensation in your body that you've eaten uh, enough. And satisfaction is the mental, is a mind sensation. Mm -hmm. So um, it is so important to find, to make sure that every meal that you're eating satisfies you in order to um, yeah, to, to feel the pleasure from eating and to avoid craving other foods later on or eating past comfortable fullness because if you're eating something that's so bland or that you don't really like 
chances are that after you've eaten whatever that is, you're going to go reach out for something that you really want mm. to eat. So you might be eating more than your body needs just because you weren't eating something that you like. So always making sure that, um, and also making sure that your meals are balanced, that you have a combination of carbohydrates, proteins and fats in most of your meals. Of course, you might not be able to to get balanced meals at every single occasion, but aiming for that is a great way to find, um, to, to make sure that your meals are satisfying um and yeah that would be um discovering the satisfaction mm -hmm. factor making sure and learning about what thing what foods you like and what meals make you feel satisfied because it might make me feel satisfied to eat a smoothie bowl with granola but for you it might not be mm -hmm. the case so it's just focusing on you and um learning about your preferences your uh, taste preferences and and so on yeah and and you mentioned them before but it's just come back into my head that's why I find those what I eat in a day posts so annoying because yeah. I think a lot of the time it's people that have what society would classify as like an ideal body type and then we see what they're eating most of the time they probably go back for seconds. They probably add things to the meals that they don't even post, which frustrates me even more. Um, yeah. But it's it's all so individualised. You have no idea what that person's doing in their day. You have no idea. You know, we've all got different tastes, like you said. We've all got mm -hmm. different likes for foods. And I think it just builds this, you should be eating this, you shouldn't be eating that. And if you want to look like me, you need to eat this. And I think it's just so dangerous. Yeah, I definitely don't recommend and wouldn't recommend what I eat in a day for anyone that's uh, healing their relationship with food or for anyone that's recovering from an eating disorder because it is quite, it can be quite dangerous. Mm -hmm. And if you are doing it because from a place of um, to get some ideas mm, yeah. or for like cooking and stuff, by all means, Great. do it. Do it. But always think about how you're using that information and how that is, that's affecting you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, coping with your feelings with kindness. That's principle seven. And before I explain about in, anything about this principle, I just want to highlight that eating for reasons uh, for emotional reasons is completely normal it's nothing to be ashamed or ashamed of or to beat yourself up for uh, we all eat for um, as a response of different emotions the problem comes when food is the only tool that we have to deal with our emotions mm -hmm. so if we don't have any other tools to deal, to cope with our feelings then that's when it becomes more of a problem and when we need to look deeper and um, tackle that. Yeah. So this is uh, this is what this principle is about. Uh, people that deal with their feelings just by turning to food. So it's about <clears throat> um, using more uh, coping or yeah, uh, yeah, finding other coping strategies to deal with their feelings rather than just using food. So it could be um very useful to call a friend when you're when you're feeling down or when you're feeling a bit 
or when you're bored. Uh, you can go for a walk in nature, which has been actually shown to be so beneficial for your mental health, getting in, in touch with nature. It could be um, playing with your kids, um, getting in the shower and playing some happy music. Uh, it could be reading a book or anything that you find useful for you to distract yourself or to find useful to uh, cope with that feeling mm -hmm. because chances are that if you're always using food ask yourself is food helping you deal with that emotion or is it making you perhaps temporarily more relaxed but then you're back to the way that you were feeling at the beginning so two very useful questions here is first how am I feeling and the second question is, what do I need right now to deal with this feeling? Yeah. So, And I think that's a fantastic, you know, even if it's not food that you use as a coping mechanism for, for any mechanism that you use to cope that maybe isn't necessarily a healthy one. I think taking a step back and looking at the situation is is just incredible. Um, like I recently have been trying to if I'm having a moment where I want to, you know, maybe use a mechanism that's not great, I just use my five senses. I think like, what can I taste? What can I smell? What can I see? What can I hear? What can I feel? And by the mm -hmm. time I've gone through that, I then kind of distracted myself from whatever was going on. And it, it puts you into a place of calmness rather than maybe a sort of erratic place that you were at before. Yeah, it, definitely. And something as well worth mentioning here and which I haven't mentioned, but is so important in the process of intuitive eating is practicing self-compassion. So instead of beating yourself up because you're feeling a certain way or because you think you have done something wrong, just being understanding and directing kind and supportive words to yourself and thinking, how would I be speaking to my best friend if she came for help, um, if she asked for help, and um, she was going through a struggle, through a similar struggle right now. How would I be speaking to her? Would I be, would I be um, harsh and judgmental? Or would I be compassionate and helpful and kind to her? Yeah. So the same way you treat a loved one, treat yourself. Yeah, that I think that's so important. Uh, you know, you'd never, if a friend came to you with an issue, you'd never say, oh God, you're being so weak or you're being so stupid, just get on with it. You'd listen to them and give them what they need. So, and that's a really important thing to mention. Yeah, definitely. And through, throughout the whole journey, always never see anything as, as a fa failure. See things as learning lessons mm -hmm. and never beat yourself up because you think that you've gone back because everything is something something everything is useful to learn from and to perhaps um to look at and be like okay what can I do next time in order to um to so that it can be more helpful that what has happened this time yeah absolutely principle eight uh, respect does respect your body so this is actually a very important principle in my opinion and it doesn't have to do much with food it's about your relationship with your body so we live in a world that 
uh, preaches thinness and um, it's um, diet culture kind of um, makes us believe that if we aren't um, thin or a certain body shape or size that we aren't going to be successful or no one is going to be able to love us or whatever it might be. And we need to start moving away from that idea of putting so much attention to the way we look and rather shifting our um, mindset to uh, what uh, our body allows us to do every single day rather than focusing on how we look Mm -hmm. and engaging in practices that focus on taking care of our bodies, on respecting our bodies rather than body bashing and um, weighing ourselves every single day and beating ourselves up because we look a certain way like everyone comes uh, in different shapes and sizes not no one not two people are ever going to be the same body shape or size Mm. so we need to move away from this uh, believing in this like beauty ideal that um, diet culture is trying to persuade us to believe that we need to be a certain shape or size yeah absolutely I think I think it's so important like you say to respect your body for what it can do for you but also like as a person what you're doing um I had quite a difficult day the other day I went to the gym and you know I looked in the mirror and I was like I am not happy with that and it completely changed my mood and I was with a friend and he was like I know that that means a lot to you but you're doing so much else that you don't even give yourself credit for and I think you know sometimes we can be so concerned with what we look like that we then forget about everything else we're doing and like I think ultimately the only person really concerns about how you look is yourself and everybody else loves you for who you are not for what you look like so I think like you say move into that place of like I guess self-acceptance I'd like to call it is you know not allowing your body to define how you feel that day um and I guess not even kind of the things that you've done allowing you to define what you've done that day just to be accepting of yourself I think is really important yeah because as well it's completely normal to have um negative body image days Mm. like everyone has them regardless of their body shape or size And it is so important as well in those days to be compassionate with ourselves and to be uh, to acknowledge that, yes, we are having a hard day with our bodies, but remembering all the great things that makes us who we are. So we, it might be that we are um, um, good listeners, we are caring, we are hard workers, we are organized, we um, everything that makes us who we are all the qualities that we have and something that helps me personally when I have those bad body image days is to um, practice gratitude for what my body allows me to do so writing three things that um, thinking about what has my body uh, allowed me today to, to do today mm-hmm. and writing all of those things and be okay this is um, this is why I appreciate my body why my why I am who I am not because I look a certain way or because I am a certain body shape or size mm-hmm. 
yeah I think that's so important like I think that to me is the most important thing <clears throat> definitely <clears throat> so principle nine almost there <laughs> <laughs> exercise feel the difference so this is about our relationship with uh, fitness or with exercise because um, well you can you probably agree with me in that because I know you you exercise quite um, you've been exercising for a long time mm-hmm. and diet culture looks at exercise from uh, lenses of for, 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 yeah focusing on the burning calorie effect and aesthetics mm-hmm. of exercise and intuitive eating aims at the opposite it aims at exercising or rather moving your body in a way that is enjoyable that is pleasurable and that feels good to you so finding ways to move your body whether that, that is dancing going for walks doing uh, intense workout every now and then doesn't need to be every single day uh, going for a run is that if that's your thing but always making sure that everything that you do is feels good and you enjoy doing yeah. rather than thinking of exercise as a way of burning calories or um, making up for the food that you have eaten uh, because we deserve to eat whenever we need to eat. Mm-hmm. We don't have to burn any calories or make up for any calories that we have eaten. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really difficult transition to make because I think a lot of people nowadays, the the gym is seen as a place to go to lose weight. Um, and I remember a, a few weeks ago, I was speaking to somebody and they said that during COVID, they got into um, cycling. And I was like, oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like, do you enjoy it? He was like, yeah, I lost loads of weight. And I was like, yeah, but yeah. do you enjoy it? Like, are you having fun doing it? Does it give you pleasure? But I think in society, we're so focused on weight loss that exercise has sort of got this rhetoric of if you're not losing weight then it's it's not the right thing for you but actually Mm. the positive effects of exercise Mm. it can make you feel incredible um you know you can feel so good when you're doing it and it's not about losing weight it doesn't need to be about that it just should be bringing you enjoyment and having a good time out of it yeah I could not agree more like as you say like there has been so much research around exercise and the impact of exercise in health mm-hmm. and not just in for our physical health, but for our mental health. Like it has, it has been shown to um, reduce the risk of depression, anxiety. It is a great way to manage stress, uh, to enhance our mood. Um, because when we are exercising, we release endorphins, which are um, feel-good hormones. And yeah, it, there is so many benefits and so many good reasons to exercise other than for weight loss, yeah. which is at the end of the day, uh, what, what we are trying to move away from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it can be absolutely fantastic. And I think that's great. We also just have to acknowledge that sometimes it can go a bit wrong for people and people can kind of, like you said, you want to do an intensive workout every single day and get a little bit addictive. And I guess it's opening up that space for people to have an open discussion about the way that exercise makes them feel and doing Mm. it, like you said, intuitively, you know, 
maybe you don't want to do an intense workout today you don't have to it's equally as important to take that rest for yourself as it is to get out and feel good some days going out and going for a run might make you feel amazing some days sitting on the sofa and watching Netflix might make you feel equally as good yeah definitely it's it's the same way we wish we we talk about food it's about being flexible and listening to our bodies and to what we need one day we might need to take a rest or two day rests because that's equally as important as exercise Mm -hmm. so if your body needs to recover and repair from that workout so of course you need to rest and allow yourself to take those rest days yeah absolutely so finally principle 10 uh gentle nutrition so this principle is essentially uh, about using food from a place of nourishment and self-care rather than from a place of control and restriction Mm -hmm. and in this principle we start talking more about the science behind nutrients and nutrition and um, what options do we have and how to portion and um, different um, options that we can have uh, from foods that we like and which one can perhaps um, contribute more more towards uh, our health and stuff but it, it isn't until the end that we start talking about nutrition because we always prioritize healing our relationship with food, being completely um, away from having moved away from diet culture, making sure that we are not going to use any nutrition advice as yet another rule Mm -hmm. so that's why uh we always leave this principle or i always leave this principle to the last um yeah to the the last and yeah it's about it's about thinking about food um um in neutral terms um it's about not using control uh just approaching uh, nutrition and health and food in a gentle way rather than in a rigid and controlling way yeah it sounds like it's kind of building all the pieces of everything that you've discussed all together into Mm. a way that's comfortable for you like you've like it sounds like you've learned all these principles along the way and then the last one is sort of okay now how does it work for you and where do you sit comfortably you know with the flexibility and the different types of foods you know at the start you would kind of you had those foods that feared you and you're testing those out now you can come to a point of you know I might have it one day I might not another day just kind of listening to yourself yeah there is something that we call body food congruence so it's about uh, um, eating those foods that feel good to your body and that um, you like in terms of your taste preferences and your body needs essentially fantastic I feel like I could honestly talk to you about this all day however I'm aware that we have been chatting for an hour um but it's (laughs) it's, I'm so happy that we went through all the principles in detail Mm. um and really got to have a discussion about them and hopefully if people were listening and they had questions hopefully we were able to touch on them so thank you so so much for describing all of that I feel like 
this has been such a knowledge-based uh, podcast episode, which are always my favourite. So thank you. Uh-huh. Um, thank you for having me. No, I've had you. so much fun talking about intuitivity. <laughs> Good. Well, if you want to do it any other time, then please give me a call. Um, the the kind of last question that I've been asking yeah. um, on the podcast, just to kind of close things out, is what would be your your top tip or your best advice for somebody looking to move away from their eating disorder? So I would say, as I've been mentioning throughout the podcast, that um, well, first of all, if you are having, if you are struggling with an eating disorder, uh, reach out for help as soon as possible. Don't delay it because the sooner that you ask for for help, the 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 better um, chances to um, get to a full recovery and quicker. Mm-hmm. And I would say. Um, Intuitive eating is for everyone, it can be for everyone, regardless of having an eating disorder or not. But always remember that and prioritize nutrition, rehabilitation and weight restoration before going uh, into um, intuitive eating. So, um, yeah, I would say that would be really my, um, my tip to prioritize nourishment and then when you are ready and when your clinician or yeah whoever is treating your eating disorder um thinks you're ready to start with uh intuitive eating i think is um in my opinion a great uh, approach to eating and to health yeah absolutely and this is actually our 20th episode which I can't quite believe that we're there already um but I wanted to start asking another question um which is something that when I set out on the podcast I was very interested in it's like the the big aim um so my other question for you is how do you think in your opinion what is the best way for us to detach the stigmas associated with eating disorders speaking a bit uh, speaking more about them seeing eating disorders and just um another uh, is an illness and it you are deserving of help whatever um your body weight your body weight or shape is um you are deserving of help and support and it's just, I think we just need to speak more about them and to normalize them as just another uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't need to be, you don't need to be ashamed for it. Anyone can nowadays uh, can have an eating disorder and just ask for, for, for support and don't be ashamed. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us. It's been so nice to speak to you again. And hopefully it won't be too long until I can see you. Yes, I hope so. I hope I can see you soon. Lovely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And I'll speak to you soon. My pleasure. Bye. I really enjoyed that conversation with Andrea, partly because it was so lovely to speak to her after such a long time, but also I think intuitive eating is something that in society nowadays has been taken as another diet, and it was really interesting to go through the different intuitive eating concepts with her and be able to ask questions openly to get more of an insight, and I really hope that my questions were ones that you also had and that gave you a clearer understanding. Next week we'll be joined by Sam Raby, who is the Boys and Men 
men's lead at First Steps ED, which is an eating disorders charity. With Sam, we talk about why he got into eating disorders, the importance of male mental health and his personal experience of OCD. One of the things for me is around education. So education is really important to me. And since I was little, I've always had this wanting to be really clever. That would be my superpower, intelligence, if I had that. So I would obsess about needing to do something because it's going to make me look smarter. Um, And if I don't do that, then I've got nothing else. And it would take up a lot of my time. So I'd spend time doing things, even if I wasn't really particularly bothered about doing it, maybe not have an interest in it, but doing it because that what I'm doing is considered a something an intelligent person would do. Right. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode, so be sure to subscribe to be one of the first to hear it. Please also like, comment and share this podcast with anyone you feel that may need support at the moment, not only those struggling with eating disorders but also their loved ones, as this can be a very difficult time for everyone. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses and this podcast aims to motivate and inspire individuals along their path of recovery. If you are struggling with an eating disorder, charities like Beat, Seed and First Steps have great resources. Please also reach out to your local GP to see how you can gain support for your eating disorder. See you next time. Bye!